Hey, this is Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. We just want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. We also want to make sure that you are aware that there are a few ways you can connect with us. So be sure to check us out on our Instagram and Facebook accounts, and you can head over to our website, theultrarunningguys.com, so you can see the live races that we're hosting. Lastly, don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with us on Patreon, where we'll be providing behind-the-scenes content, and this year we'll be spending a lot of time really building up that community. So thank you again. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and enjoy the episode. You know, go run for 24 hours. Yeah, you don't have to even care how far you go. Just be out in nature or just be outdoors for 24 hours. That experience alone is so life affirming. When was the last time you watched, you know, the sunrise, mm -hmm. you watched the sunset, you watched the moonrise, you watched the moonset, and you watched the sunrise on the next morning? If you do that, it, it will it will just seep into you in a in a magical sort of way and it will renew you. I promise. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And so first, just want to say a huge shout out to the Ultra Running Guys family. Thank you so much for taking the time. We'd love a review. If you're finding value, make a comment, share with your friends. All that really adds value for us. But we're going to get right into it. I say it every time. I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited. You're always excited. Our guest tonight is arguably one of the most influential runners in the sport. In fact, Time Magazine named him among the 100 most influential people in the world. So soak that in for a second. That's not a lot of them. <laughs> His accomplishments are way too numerous to list them here, but here's a few that stand out, so listen close. So we've talked about Badwater 135 several times on the show. He was the winner of Badwater 135, including several top five finishes and several other finishes. He ran 50 marathons in 50 days in all 50 states. Talk about logistics. He even wrote a book about it. He wrote a book about it. I read the book. It's fantastic. He ran 148 miles in 24 hours on a treadmill above Times Square. I don't think anybody else can say that. And then he's also known for the longest consecutive run without sleep at 350 miles. So pretty mind-blowing. So stick around while we chat with this legend of ultra about what advice he has for you. We're going to also talk about his new book, A Runner's High, My Life in Motion. And with that, Mr. Ultra Marathon man himself, Dean Carnazes, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> Thank you for that gracious introduction. I'm not sure I can live up to that, but <laughs> oh, you please. could say Opa. <laughs> Opa. Yeah, You've been living up to it for a long time. And, and so here's the deal. We, like I said, we're going to talk about your new book, uh, A Runner's High. But first, I say that a lot on the show, but first, just in case there's a few people out there that haven't read your book or, or are not familiar with you, you wrote a book, Ultra Marathon Man, Confessions of an All-Night Runner. And, you know, I think it's, it's definitely arguably one of the top books that's probably influenced people to get into the sport, you know, kind of, sure. kind of always comes up to the top when we talk about that. Um, it was released in 2005. And so for anybody listening that may not be familiar, if you don't mind just kind of giving a, a two to three minute summary, you know, of that book, what it did. And then I've got a couple of follow on questions there. 
Yeah, Ultra Marathon Man was kind of a coming of age book. So it was about me learning about these crazy individuals that were running these crazy things called ultra marathons. And, uh, you know, how I went from being uh, kind of a, a corporate yes man to uh, a guy who, you know, walked out of a bar on his 30th birthday, uh, drunk at midnight and decided he was going to run 30 miles that night. Uh, in his underwear. <laughs> and, Best part. That, yeah, that kind of launched um, my journey into ultra marathoning. And the book talks about, uh, you know, how I learned about the sport, you know, what happened when I when I did my first 100 miler, you know, what happened when I, how I responded when I heard someone say, you know, there's a 100 mile foot race, you know, I thought it was a trick. I thought there were bikes or, you know, you stop at hotels or campgrounds along the way. So I talk about that. And I also talk about uh, family, you know, I'm 100% Greek and Greeks are storytellers. And, you know, to tell a good story, it can't just be about you. So I talk about the impact uh, my running's had on my, my wife, my parents, my kids, and, you know, how uh, they've rallied around me and sometimes how they've pushed back. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go <laughs> follow you around in the wilderness for 48 hours, you know, uh, in the freezing cold. So it was... Um, just a book I wanted to write. I, you know, I had on my life list, you write a book, kind of like, you know, I wanted to jump out of an airplane. I wanted to swim with sharks, that kind of thing. And when I wrote it, I thought, you know, five of my buddies buy this book, I'll be really lucky. And as you said, it became a, you know, a bestseller and it's still in print. I think it's in print in over 20 languages. And it's, you know, it's really introduced a lot of people to the sport and thankfully uh, a few of them still like me <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome is that, is that a good enough is that a, is that a good elevator pitch a, a long elevator pitch well yeah. no i think it's a great pitch one of the things we were talking about you know we we've been looking forward to this episode for a little while but you, we've read your more recent book too but when we started trying to connect the old book the ultramarathon man book with this new one runner's high we kind of realized there's this, this bridge of time that's taken place from the release of that book to where we are now, right? Um, and they're very connected, both of them are. Um, but what, what caught our attention was we can't imagine what your life must have been like after you released Ultra Marathon Man. And, and can you kind of just touch on, on just how your life was transformed from that moment? Yeah, I mean, the book came out and, you know, that day I got a call from the David Letterman show. <laughs> Wow, saying, wow! Hey, we want to fly you back to New York to be on, you know, live with uh, Late Night with David Letterman, and then you know the New York Times called and said we want to do a feature on Ultra Marathon Man. You know, then Outside Magazine, then you know it just it was it was nonstop. It was like drinking out of a fire hose. So you know, I I kind of did the the media circus, a book tour, and then international publishers started picking it up. So I started traveling around the world to do kind of races and book talks and just realized that it was a, a great lifestyle mm -hmm. and something that clearly had, you know, power to, to inspire people and, you know, to inspire someone to truly in inspire someone. It's not easy. I mean, I think that that term gets thrown around so much it's, and it's cliche. Uh, but when you read about a guy, just an average guy that decides he's going to try to run a hundred miles you know, and, and the and the grittiness of the story itself and, you know, the, the commitment and the sacrifice and the determination, it pulls you in mm. and you can't help but get inspired. So, you know, a lot of people read my book in one sitting. <laughs> they say, you know, I turned a couple pages and, and wow, I really got hooked. 
and I, I was along, you know, with you on the journey. And to me, that's that's a good thing. I mean, I can't I can't say that um, th you know there's any downside to writing a book that that gets people off the couch and gets people trying to push their limits. I right. think we were talking about it before with some of our our Patreon members. <clears throat> You know, I think what you just said is, is one of the most important pieces is because there's a lot of people, we talk about this a lot. There's a lot of people that are going to look at you now and go, how do I relate to Dean, right? He does all these incredible things and he's been doing it for a long time. But exactly what you just said is that that moment when you walked out on your 30th birthday, people are going to relate to that moment. I think that's the magic of that book. And then also the other piece, and I'm sure that you've had comments kind of along the way of, hey, this guy's flashy and, you know, ultra running supposed to kind of be this organic thing. And, you know, I can't believe, but the fact of the matter is the way you share the story, like you said, has brought so many people that hadn't thought about ultra running, didn't understand that it even existed. And so I think that's the magic of it. So if, if you're mm -hmm. listening and you have not, you know, checked out that book, I highly recommend, and I've read it and I've listened to the audio and the audio is great as well. So we're all runners. We all listen. Yeah, to I was gonna say, everything's audio. Nobody's I mean, turning pages probably in, I, in this group. But. I don't know how to read a book. I, I can only listen to them. And most of our listeners right now are probably listening to us on a run right. too. So it's all on audio. Yeah. Okay. So I think that helps us kind of get grounded a little bit for, again, for, for anybody maybe that, that isn't familiar, but dude, if anybody goes and checks out your Instagram, follows you for a while, like you are everywhere. You're doing all kinds of stuff. I talked about some of the things, so the things I didn't mention. You did a marathon to the South Pole, right? South Pole, North Pole? South, South Pole. Pole. Yeah, it's yeah. marathon to the South Pole. I mean, you've just done all these unbelievable things. And I'm just interested. We asked Mike Wardian a similar kind of question, a guy that's done all, you know, this variety of stuff. When you look at back at some of your accomplishments, what stands out to you? Like what, what's the biggest memories that come to mind? <laughs> wow. There's like, there's you so know, I mean, many. Uh, I mean, you bring up, you know, Mike Warden and our, our, our really good friends. We go a long way back. So, you know, we've run uh, the Big Sur Marathon together on a number of occasions. And, you know, one year I remember if you've ever done the Big Sur Marathon, you know that most of the hotels are at the finish line, mm -hmm. kind of like Boston. And they put you on a bus in the morning and they take you out to the starting line, which is, 26.2 miles, you know, out on this beautiful coastal road and you kind of huddle out there and the gun goes off and you run back to the finish line and you shower in your hotel. But I don't ever like taking a bus to the start of a run. So I get up early and I, I run out to the start. So I just oh, wow. run along that same course along the Pacific uh, coastline. And I'll never forget one year, the the bus was driving by taking everyone out there and i saw michael wardian sitting in the bus and he saw me and i opened my mouth like because i'd run out of food <laughs> and he, he stuffed a banana out the window of course he did <laughs> of course he did and i ran over and got that banana so i mean i have memories like that i could share all across the globe of just kind of the the comedy in it all you, you know michael and i, I think you know, he he still is very competitive in racing. You know, I, I race a lot, but I'm not that competitive anymore. I think he equally enjoys doing just these one-off sort of adventures mm -hmm. like I like doing, like going to the South Pole to see if you can run a marathon in the South Pole or, you know, running across the ancient Silk Road in Central Asia. And to me, that is very much different than a racing experience because mm -hmm. a racing experience is kind of, you know, even if it's 100 miles, it's an adventure, but it's kind of you know, it, it's within within the, the limits of 
rules and course markers and aid stations, that kind of thing, where, you know, when you do these runs, uh, these self-supported runs on your own, it's, it's much more like adventure. It's much less like racing or running in general. It's like Charlie. Yeah. Charlie angle. Somebody else we talked to. Yeah. To me, that's, you know, there's a group of people out there that really, and we're going to talk about kind of the joy of it all. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, like you said, there's racing, there's people that are really good. Sometimes they go, they go together, but Mike Wardian, just for your information, when we talked to him, he was running across Kansas because that's when he was making his run. So that was probably the, one of the most interesting interviews we've done. He literally recorded the entire time while we were, while he was running. (laughs) And he yeah. filmed himself. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> He's fantastic. But- yeah, no, I, uh, I, I headed off with him. I started him off here in, uh, in San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So you were the first leg with him. I ran the first leg with him. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. That's very cool. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny. I, you know, I, I did an interview one time, <laughs> a similar interview, but it was, uh, it was before there was um, cameras on her phone. But I was doing a radio interview with a really popular station in L.A., as I was running down to LA. So I ran from San Francisco to the start of the LA marathon. And, um, as I was doing the interview, I got attacked by a dog. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was trying to maintain a straight face as I'm doing this interview, like answering these guys questions. But I'm like, (laughs) and they finally said, what's going on? I said, I, you know, I got to hang up. I'm being attacked by a dog. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, and so speaking of that, I'm going to tell people like, Go look at your Instagram, right? And we'll share this all in notes and we'll talk about it on the way out. But so I know you've had encounters. In fact, I just listened today, you know, you did an interview in August and it was after this, you did a post, you had an incident with a coyote, you went down, you got blood on your face. And I, so I, I listened to you talk through that story, but I know you've had encounters with sharks. So obviously you, you, if you go out and you do a lot, you're going to see a lot. And it sounds like you've got some of those experiences, right? And so it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, so for everybody listening, obviously, again, we don't have time to talk about all the details of all the things you do, but go check it out. I think uh, you'll find a lot of value in what you post because you're all over social. So, yeah. And, you know, also I, uh, I like sharing that kind of stuff because I, I think people live vicariously through it. I, I'm really, I'm so blessed and privileged to lead the life I lead. And I don't know how I've sustained this lifestyle for 30 years uh, and still am, am able to do it. But I figured while I'm doing it, might as well share it with others because <laughs> it's Love. been a glorious ride so far. I mean, who knows how much longer it's going to last, but uh, the past 30 years have been pretty entertaining. I love that. We're actually going to talk about it. We've got it in our notes. Longevity is one of our questions for you towards the end of the way we're going to get to. So it's funny you brought that up. Yeah. Like, how does he sustain? <laughs> so so we'll get there, but why don't we use this as the segue? So I uh, talked about your newest book, Runner's High, My Life in Motion. And, and again, in the intro, we talked about you've got several books in between, right? You've done a lot of writing about different things. But when we talked about these, I think for us, especially meeting you in Ultra Marathon Man, and then you know, from that moment where you walk out of the bar, it's essentially been 30 years, like you said. And mm-hmm. so the Dean in this book is a much different guy than, than the end of ultra marathon, man. And, and you're very transparent. So I'm going to kind of sum it up. And then we want to hear if, if this sounds right to you, but it essentially follows your journey. I mean, the book itself follows your journey to the return of Western States in 2018, but you have these themes kind of throughout the book that give us a really transparent view of your life 
how it's evolved from the deed and like i said in ultra marathon man kind of the evolvement of the relationships with your family and some of the things that i think i would say themes that you kind of even wrestle with mm-hmm. you know kind of throughout the book that's kind of our take are we on track how like how would you describe this book yeah, well, I think that um, I wanted the book to be propelling. So I wanted it to be a story that kind of engaged you and was readable. Mm-hmm. So it's, as you know, it's it's stories that I tell throughout the book. Right. It's all about stories. So it's not prescriptive. I don't say, you know, you got to do this this week and this the next week. And, you know, here's your training block. There's nothing like that in the book. What I wanted to do is I wanted to tell an, an honest story. I wanted to say, this is my life here's how I live. <laughs> it's different. It, you know, there's, there's not a lot of ultra marathoners that are around 30 years later are still ultra marathoners. I mean, there are professional ultra marathoners now that are younger and, you know, they're competitive, um, usually competitive collegiate athletes that move up into the ranks and they're sponsored and they make a living doing it. But uh, I'm not that I'm, I'm a guy who's been doing that for 30 years. So I wanted to show, you know, how do I put bread on the table? How do I keep the lights on? What is it like when I travel? Uh, I wanted to give people a glimpse, almost like voyeurism into some guy's life. And I think that we like reading about other people and their reality and their experience. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with this book. And, you know, I wanted to talk about how how do you stay passionate to something? Like how, how do you keep the fire burning for so many decades uh, and you love it as much, you know, now as the day I began. So hopefully I gave some indication of, you know, my continued, um, enthusiasm for the sport and my love of the sport. Yeah, we definitely, we, we definitely would say it was marked by a lot of transparency of who you are, um, and who you've become and really how the sport itself has impacted your life and, um, your family and even just how you view running itself from being competitive versus, um, as we get a little older in life and how we look back at that. And it does. I think it takes you on a really good journey of, of the ultra marathon man to continuing through his life and, and what that looks like. So I think it's a good continuum of that arc um, from where it started. And I think there's definitely some themes in there that from a relatability standpoint, what that's what we're going to do is kind of walk through some of the things that we picked out, get your take and, and also kind of probably ask for your tips, right? Or your advice uh, because you've been doing this for a long time. And not ruin the end of the book. Yeah, we won't ruin the end of the book. (laughs) Because that's a good part. That's right. That was good. (laughs) And we'll cut it out if we did. Right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, So yes. So we'll start with that. Go read the book. Please. Um, But we're going to touch on some things because again, we want to do our best, I should say, to add value here, um, which I don't think is going to be very difficult. But so this was super interesting. This one caught my attention. I was actually on a run listening to the book and I stopped and pulled out my phone and took a note because it kind of is almost contrary to some of the things that we tend to think about when it comes to success, which you were very successful. I'm going to quote, and then we want to hear your thoughts about it. Your quote was, routine is death of the worst kind, a slow insidious stripping of the soul. And so what does that mean to you? And then the follow-on question is, what does discipline look like without routine? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a deep question, yeah. Well, you wrecked us with this comment. Like the quote, we're like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it was, so what does yeah. it mean? What does it mean to well, you? You know, I, I think we were made to wander. And I think when you're wandering that you don't do the same thing over and over again. 
So uh, even in my training, I never run the same route uh, two days in a row. So I think discipline and the disdain for routine can be consistent. You know, I have a commitment to physical excellence that I maintain through my desire, you know, not to just be a drone doing the same thing over and over again every day and continue exploring and continue growing and learning. So I think they can exist, coexist, but I get your point. You know, I always tell people, listen to everyone, follow no one. Uh, my wife, who, uh, you know, she's a very successful dentist. I mean, she has the same thing every night for dinner, literally, uh, at least during the week, just because she wants that sort of routine in her life. She gets up at the same time in the morning. She takes her, her shower. You know, she gets to work at the same time. And, and that works for her. Uh, that I couldn't do it. And the Oracle of Delphi said, uh, know thyself. So I think that, you know, running teaches us who we are and what we're about. And I just know that um, if I had to have a nine to five job, I don't, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I think I'd rather just, you know, wander uh, without a job versus having a nine to five job. There, there's a practical piece out of what you said that, that I think, let me see how I can say what I want to try to say here. I didn't know how you were going to be able to distinguish between the idea of routine and discipline, but what you, how you describe the idea that every day you don't do not run the same route on consecutive days is the variance of the routine that you can still get up and go for a run. And that's the discipline of what, what the sport sometimes requires is, is to make sure you're getting your runs and that kind of thing, but you can have the variation in it that still affords a little more kind of experience out of it. It's kind of like when you're when you're prepping for your if you think about the times you don't want to go for a run it's because i don't want to go do the same route right. as roads every single day and so for those of us and those who are listening who get kind of burnt out on doing the same thing over and over again it's not the discipline of getting out and doing the run it's the fact that you don't vary what you're actually doing yeah i think and the other thing i i really like that you said is the know thyself right and mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily, hey, this is what everybody should do. Because we were talking about that. Hey, there's going to be people that thrive on routine. Mm -hmm. And there's people, I'm more like, I struggle with trying to do the same thing because I get bored, I make excuses, I do other things. But if I'm out adventuring, it's way different. It doesn't feel like the same type of task. So the interesting thing was when I heard that, because again, going back to Ultra Marathon, man, when we ended that book, you were still working a corporate job. You had a young family. And so I would imagine at some point, you have, I mean, that's why I relate. I'm like, okay, I almost have to rely on routine to work around these other areas of my life. So I would imagine at some point that was there. And then you were able to make this transition. When were you able to start, you know, kind of doing that or, or recognizing that benefit of having more of that flexibility? Yeah, I would say maybe four or five years after um, the book came out. Okay. Uh, I realized that I just really wasn't happy in my corporate job at all. Yep. And that I was going to, you know, either be turned 50 years old and say, I, you know, I, I wish I would have pursued a different path or, or tried a different path. And I thought, you know, even if I fail, at least I will have tried. And, you know, the, the thing is, you got to remember that the time frame when I was doing this, it was, it was less usual to, to not work for a company most of your career. Right. Uh, nowadays, you know, there's the gig economy, you can have multiple jobs, you know, you, there, there's a lot more avenues available. I mean, especially with, you know, YouTube and TikTok. I mean, there are people that that's their job. And that sort of thing was not was not available back when I was kind of 
um, kind of forging a, a path to, you know, making my own um, living doing what I love. But now it's it's available to a lot more people and people are taking advantage of it. And I think that it's a unique way to live. And I think it's a more fulfilling way to live. So when you made running your career, right? And to do that, it begins to be something you you have to do. Like you're known as the ultra marathon man. Everybody's expecting you to run. You're going to have to go out there and run all the time. Did, did at any point that make running a little less fun? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I kept a healthy, healthy perspective on it. Mm -hmm. I think I always enjoyed it. I think that the biggest challenge for me was learning to come to terms with the fact that you're just not that fast anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you, you got into the sport late. You, you had a couple of good years. By the time you were really <laughs> thinking you're a competitive, I mean, you're in your early forties before you thought, okay, I think I can, you know, I can really win some races here. So you're already past your prime and now you're well past your prime. Mm -hmm. So um, just enjoy, you know, getting to the finish line and enjoy putting forth your best effort. And, and that was the hardest transition. And once I got through that, it's, it's, I've kind of been reborn. I mean, now I can go to races and so many people, you'd be amazed when I go to a race or a marathon, even a road marathon. And people say, wow, what are you doing? I can't believe you're actually out here running. <laughs> I don't know what they think. <laughs> you know, I did a, I did a hundred K uh, <laughs> last weekend and so many people are like, wow, you're out here running with us. Like, yeah, I mean, what, it's I what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure part of that is that, uh, kind of bigger than life. Yep. Uh, I'm sure I would probably be like, oh man, like, look, that's Dean over there. Oh, you, you would know, definitely this fanboy is, him. Right. I mean, it's super cool. But at the same time, it, when you boil it down, you're a guy that loves to run yep. and, you know, obviously has relationships in the run. And when there a moment in your book, uh, when you came up and, and you had kind of a, a run-in with Ann Trayson, right? I know you had a couple stories with Ann Trayson, but you see her at the aid station. And we had that conversation. Like, can you imagine just looking up and Ann Trayson's oh, hey, handing uh, you know, something over? I mean, those kind of moments, I'm sure, are just, uh, it, it would take me by surprise. But at the same time, it's when you really think about it, like, well, of course. Of course you're out there running. Like, you know that happens to us all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dean's like, I have no idea who you all are. <laughs> you do now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that's great. Um, I, I think that that's super. And so let, let's finish off with this question. And uh, we may have kind of already touched on it. But mm -hmm. so for some of, the, of our listeners that maybe get burnout, right? Or they're thinking, oh, hey, I'm training for this race and I got to go do my run today. What advice would you have to kind of keep running fresh? Or, you know, really avoiding that death by routine that takes some of the fun out of it. For one, you know, take off your watch. <laughs> at least oh, yeah. a couple of days a week or at least one day a week. Take off your watch and and just go running. Somewhere you, you're not that familiar with. So just run. I mean, you, you know, you usually know pretty much the geographical footprint mm -hmm. around where you live. Head in a direction you never head in and, you know, stuff some dollars in your pocket and, go for as long as you want or as short as you want literally it's you know it's kind of like i call it runabout just go for a run if you feel like grabbing a latte pop in a coffee shop grab a latte feel like walking walk you know feel like sprinting sprint but um just just go explore and um kind of experience the day and if, if you can extend it to experience the night as well i mean i always say you know go run for 24 hours yeah you don't have to even care how far you go 
just be out in nature or just be outdoors for 24 hours. That experience alone is so life affirming. When was the last time you watched, you know, the sunrise, mm -hmm. you watch the sunset, you watch the moonrise, you watch the moonset, and you watch the sunrise on the next morning. If you do that, it, it will it will just seep into you in a in a magical sort of way, and it will renew you. I promise. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, but if if I don't say what I'm going to say, the listeners are just going to be mad at me. Most people believe, Dean, that if they don't record it on their watch, it didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but you're don't right. Post it on Instagram, it never happened, right? Yeah. Right. But you're yeah. right. Um, I, I think that is a it's a lost side of running. Uh, we have become so attached to the metric of it all that, that we don't kind of appreciate just doing it. You know, what's so funny is, so one, I'm really glad I asked that question because I love the answer. But two, when you were saying it, it's almost like I felt a weight come off. I'm like, oh man, that just sounds so enjoyable. Right. Like not a, okay, I got to hit my 12 miler Correct. and get this. And, you know, the kind of this expectation, it, re it removes that. And it will still count. <laughs> you, can, you can actually go into Strava and make it a manual activity. <laughs> well, and, and, and the thing is, we hear, we hear things all the time. I know Courtney DeWalter, there's some different runners out there that right. have that kind of approach, yep. um, at least at, at different times of their life of, hey, I just go out and I run. I don't know if I'm going for a long run or a short run. Sometimes when I leave, I just go do it. And we all go, wow, that's amazing. And then we go, okay, what do I have on the plan for today? Mm -hmm. So I, I really hope people take, uh, and I'm going to challenge myself to, to take that to heart. Because I think that was a fantastic answer. I may take my watch off. I don't know. Yet. I know. Now I'm thinking like, okay, what can I go do next weekend? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if running is worthwhile in itself, I think it's mm. going to be more gratifying. Yeah. I think if you, you know, I'm not against quantifying uh, and measuring everything. I mean, I think we're a little over quantified now. You know, I think it was Socrates that said, you know, the, the unexamined life is not worth living. I would say that, you know, the overexamined life might not be worth living as well. So. It, you know, is if we don't measure and uh, our heart rate and our, you know, epoch and our sleep and everything else, we feel like we're missing out. But in reality, uh, you know, j just running, if you can derive enjoyment and make running play, then, you, you know, you're going to keep it up. So good. So I thought one of the really interesting dynamics in the book was kind of the change also in some of the family dynamic, right? The first book, kids are young. And I, I can relate to this because my daughter, I think was seven-ish when we started kind of running ultra. She was there all the time and participating. Now she's a teenager and, eh, you know, she's half interested. But so you were kind of really transparent about how running has kind of impacted the family dynamic. How has that changed over time, kind of, especially between the two books um because i again i think that people will relate to that yeah i think when i first started doing ultra marathons you got to remember it's back in 1992 so mm -hmm. <laughs> you know there wasn't much of a community back then it's changed a lot the sport so when i'd show up with my parents we'd be like an anomaly uh, you know we <laughs> and when i showed up with my kids there weren't a lot of kids out there uh but people found it endearing mm -hmm. And over time, we've seen more and more people bringing their kids out to ultra marathons. We've seen multi-generations at the starts and finishes of, of ultra marathons and, and crewing for people along the way. And I think that's it's been a really healthy evolution. And I think that 
the community has has blossomed in that regard unlike you know almost any other sport and i think that um people rally around you know the the runner that's that's in the game um you know the the person that's in the race everyone derives a little pleasure out of supporting them and if they make it to the finish it's all the better and i i just think that it it's the community has grown in a in a beautiful sort of way and I was very early on um, in, in that development, and I've kind of watched it uh, blossom. And you know, I've 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 enjoyed seeing what I see. I'm going to dig a little further because you know I have kids also. I know I've been doing this. I guess we've been doing this almost 10 years now. Yeah, I started running when I was 39, so I, I'm 50 now. So, um, and it is a huge sacrifice. And there are times that we go out on, on long long runs during the weekend. It takes away from the family and everything. What what advice? would you give to those that are just getting into the sport that may have young, young kids and how should they navigate this balance, right? Between the commitment that it takes to not even try to win, right. But just to, to be a, to be a, a solid participant so that they can at least finish some of these longer efforts, right. To, to be able to participate in them, but also to navigate the family as well. Like what advice would you give on, on keeping both those things in a proper perspective? Just get used to being sleep deprived, <laughs> <laughs> especially when your kids are young, you know, you know what you've got to do. I, I, I live through it. I mean, you get up early, you get up three in the morning and you train before work. The other thing is that I think that the quality of your relationship with your, your loved ones is more important than the quantity. Mm-hmm. So the time you are together, um, make it good quality time. I remember when the kids were young and I'd be traveling everywhere when I'd come home we'd splurge. I mean, we just have a lot of fun together. And when I took them to races, it was the one time I would splurge. I'd make it, I wouldn't just go for dad's race. I would uh, schedule some other activities that they're going to enjoy around that and stay at a, you know, a a nice hotel or something and and do something unusual and different so that, you know, come the next race, they really look forward to it versus saying, ah, yeah, we got to go support dad again. So I, you know, those are some of the tips I would offer. Uh, you know, the other thing is that, you know, when your kids watch you finish, you know, the, across the finish line of a, of a marathon or a 50 mile or a hundred mile race, what's the value of that? <laughs> I mean, you've taught your kid discipline, commitment, grit, doggedness, stick to I mean, perseverance, all of those lessons are put on display. You don't have to mention these words. Mm-hmm. They see it and it through osmosis, it seeps into them. That was amazing. You know, my parent just did something amazing and this is how they did it. So I think that's a lesson that will stick with them their whole life. And it translates, you know, from, from running into other activities. It's a great point. It's a really good point. Yeah. And I've seen my, you know, and it's interesting, my daughter She's always motivated when she watches people do things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that mo- made the most impact was when she saw somebody else young do it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, in her mind, it was, hey, I go and I watch these grownups do these things until there was another young person. And then, she- and then I watched it go through her head of, wow, is this something I could do? Mm-hmm. You know, not, hey, one day, but wow, maybe this is changing the way that I think. So I think to your point, just getting around an environment like that makes such an impact. Well, you know, when they're young, it elevates us to hero status. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and when they get older, like, then, uh, then they, fig- they figure it out. 
from right. their teenage. Yeah, people right. always say to me, "What's what's been your toughest ultra marathon?" And I say, <laughs> "Raising a teenage daughter." Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> right. We both. I'm not going to say a word because this would be edited out <laughs> <laughs> from my side. I'm living through it so far. So uh, good, but she's still young. I love so. my daughter, but yeah, it's, we've had ups and downs. <laughs> All right. So we talked about, I want to be respectful of time. Um, we kind of mentioned it earlier. You said, hey, I've been doing this for 30 years. So I think we would miss if we didn't touch on this, the topic of longevity. And I think there's two parts to it. There's kind of the physical aspect of longevity, mm-hmm. right? Hey, how, do you, how are we taking care of ourselves? And then maybe something we touched on is kind of the emotional or motivation or joy aspect of it. So let's start with kind of the tactical physical stuff. What, what comes to mind for anybody listening that says, Hey, I want to run well for my next 30 years. And like Jeff said, it doesn't mean win, right. But right. Hey, I, I want to stay healthy. What are your tips for longevity? You know, there's, I think three elements you need to look at and that's, you know, one, your, your fitness, two is your diet and, and three is your sleep. So I would look to optimize all three of those. And I would say to view your activities, your actions through the lens of trying to be the best animal that you can be. Mm-hmm. So everything you do revolves around your ability to run an ultra marathon and, and to stay healthy and fit and Im- improve on, you know, both your performance and, and, you know, everything around that. So, you know, when it comes to physical activity, uh, you know, one thing I never do is something that I see you guys are both doing, and that's sitting down. You can probably tell I'm on my I'm on my feet right now, so I'm bouncing around on my toes. Uh, I never sit down. Hmm. Um, I've got a home office, and you know I'm a writer, so I'm I'm spending a lot of time um, in front of a computer, and the entire time I'm standing up and I'm bouncing on my toes and doing little knee bends and so forth. So I have a commitment that if I'm not traveling. Uh, and I'm going to be working at home from the moment I get out of bed until the moment I go back to bed, I don't sit down. Wow. Uh, I would encourage people to do that. I mean, it's, it's something simple and you might think, oh, I'm going to be exhausted at the end of the day. But the reality is I was way more exhausted when I was sitting down all day than I am now when I'm standing up. So I would say that that's one place to start. You know, the other thing I do is this simple uh, hit routine. So a high intensity interval training throughout the course of the day. And it's all with body weight. So it's, you know, it's push-ups, uh, pull-ups, chair dips, sit-ups, uh, and burpees. So the whole routine takes about 12 to 14 minutes. It's super high intensity, but it's over. It's, you know, you can s- almost see the finish line when you start. It's over in 12 or 14 minutes. And I do, I cycle through those throughout the course of the day. So I'm doing some overall body conditioning as well as, you know, my, my training running. So just for somebody listening goes, oh, I want to know more detail about that. I want to try that tomorrow. Can you just explain in detail like what one of those cycles looks like? Yeah, so um, it's basically 50 push-ups. So it's uh, 20 military push-ups and then 10 closed, like they call them triangle push-ups, yep. with your, your hands closed, and then 10 uh, spread eagle push-ups. So your legs and your feet uh, spread eagle. And then 10 standing up push-ups. So you're standing up and you're just basically hunching over mm-hmm. and you're working your shoulders, essentially you're pushing up okay. from the ground. I follow that by 15 pull-ups, which, you know, 15 pull-ups is, is not easy, right? <laughs> especially mm-hmm. after, after, you know, just hopping off of that. And then I do 50 uh, chair dips 
and then I do, um, you know, basically there it's, it's kind of a crunched routine. So, um, traditional sit-ups and then scissor sit-ups and then knee band sit-ups. Mm. And then I do, um, usually 25 to 30 burpees to finish it off. And you just and, do it as fast as you can. So if you, if you do 10 pull-ups and you got to take a break, you just try to minimize your break and push on kind of thing. I do it all continuous yes, okay. to the best of my ability. You're right. absolutely right. I mean, you're going to be tight, especially if you try to do all of what I've, you know, I've worked up to, uh, it's probably going to take you a long time because you're sure. going to have to stop a lot in between. But the other thing I do is uh, I only breathe through my nose when I'm doing this. So hmm. it's kind of hypoxic training. I force myself not to open my mouth and it really revs up your heart rate even further. So, you know, some days I get my heart rate well over 200. Wow. Wow. That is high intensity. We need to get that guy who wrote that book, Breathe. James Nestor, mm-hmm. the book Breathe. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, the nose breathing thing, I have friends that are so into nose breathing. And the only reason I do it is because uh, it's kind of, it emulates hypoxic training yeah. and, it, and it does so very effectively. So some of the other things, you know, the, some of the, 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 the more kind of outrageous claims about nose breathing, I'm not sure I buy into but it certainly elevates your uh, your workout and can you know cut workout time as well because it's just so high intensity it's very miserable <laughs> and it hurts like hell but um i think it's worth it yeah there's a great book like, like i said uh, called breathe by james nestor if you haven't yeah. read it it's fantastic it i mean listen to it it's one of those things um there's a lot a lot of good stuff in that one too. I've, I've been experimenting with taping my mouth at night just to try it out so I'm sure your wife appreciates I'm still. That. Yeah, I'm still alive. But um, <laughs> no, I think that the, I think that those two things are excellent tips. And I appreciate you going through that. And I would imagine for anybody listening, obviously, that you can start smaller, take a grouping of sure. exercise, figure out a number, go through it at high intensity, try to beat some of those times and then build up. So um, I think that's fantastic. And I would say keep it, keep it short. Right. You know, keep it around 10 minutes, but do multiple cycles throughout the course of the day. I think it's better to, to look, to continually work out throughout the day versus just getting one big workout in and, and, and that's it. I want to give you a chance to kind of talk quick on the diet and sleep. Um, but I do want to ask this question because I know you do a lot of other activities like windsurfing and I know you've been into diving. I know you got all these different things. How much do you think that type of cross training or other activities even if it's just because you enjoy it, how much has that played a role into, you know, you staying healthy and, and the longevity piece? I think it's, it is played a big role because it's enjoyable. And I mean, if you go windsurfing for a couple hours, it's an amazing workout. And I also, you know, I mountain bike and I road bike. So, um, you know, I, I ride this thing called an elliptico, which is a standing bike. I don't know if you guys have seen those, mm-hmm. but I'm a real believer in it. It's more like the motion of, uh, of running versus riding a bike. Isn't that what Charlie had? Mm-hmm. Charlie Angle was on yeah. one of those. Charlie, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, Charlie's got one. Yeah, I got him one actually. And so uh, I've done centuries and double centuries on that. You know, surfing is a great workout. Uh, I think all of these things are, you know, it, it it's a lot easier to go surfing for two hours than go to the gym for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, I need a follow up um, discussion on this optimizing sleep. What do you mean by that? I think, again, it comes down to quality of sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's maximizing sleep quality. And, you know, the one luxury that I have is that I don't necessarily have to get up at a set time every morning. 
And if I don't, I let my body naturally wake. And I found that just that one thing, allowing my body to naturally wake versus having it woken up by an alarm really, really has helped with my recovery. So I would highly recommend if you don't have to set your alarm, uh, don't. Usually you don't get up, you don't sleep that much longer than you would if you would set your alarm. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I think you finish that final sleep cycle, which is a really deep sleep. Like I think some of your best sleep, as I've read, is, is right before you wake up. So I think if you interrupt that last cycle, it's it's very disruptive. So that's one thing I, I purposely, you know, I don't schedule calls before 9 a.m. I try not to. I try not to fly out, you know, too early in the morning for that very reason. I am jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard some interesting like tips and I, and I won't go too much into it, but I, I've, I've heard that, especially if somebody has been sleep deprived or has bad sleep habits, mm -hmm. there are some exercises that can be done to kind of say, Hey, even if it's on the weekend, so several consecutive weekends do exactly what you're talking about, not set the alarm, try to catch up a little bit. Eventually you'll notice a pattern and that you can start to then go to bed at a certain time. And most people will wake up in time for the alarm, but um, it'll take some work to kind of get that going. But I've heard great things about the same type of thing. Last piece, I know we're about out of time, but the diet, I know from hearing you talk about other things, I believe you're pretty strict into what you put in your body. Talk us through kind of what your guidelines are from a diet perspective. <laughs> I guess I'll preface that by saying I'll never live down the story of, um, ordering a pizza while pizza, I was out running. Right. I'm sure there's times when uh, the rules change <laughs> a little bit, right? But yeah, I mean, from my first book, that story of, you know, being stranded uh, in the middle of the night out on a backcountry road with just a cell phone and a credit card and having a pizza delivered. I, I think that uh, so many people used to know me as the guy who, you know, had a pizza delivered while I was out running an ultra marathon. And, and I grew up in Southern California. So you talking about round tables specifically, <laughs> I was like, oh man, that brought back memories, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but now I, um, I like to say if I can't uh, pick it from a tree or dig it from the earth or catch it with my hands, uh, I don't eat it. So I try not to eat anything that's processed, refined, you know, that's been through a machine. You know, that is, I think, has really allowed me to minimize inflammation, all those, all those things that can kind of add up over the years. Uh, I've never had problems with, you know, I don't have joint issues or anything like that. And I think it's because of the shift in my diet and removing, uh, you know, processed and refined and, and really man-made food. Um, one of my mentors was a guy named Jack LaLanne. Mm. You guys are too, probably too young to even know that name. I know the name. I'm trying to place it. Oh, 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 yes. Come on. The work. Yes. Exactly. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I know who you're talking about now. He was like the, he was before. Go Google Jack Singer, LaLanne. Like yeah. The, yeah. The exercise guru. And um, he was a mentor of mine. He said, you know, Dean, this is what he say about diet. He said, Dean, if, if man makes it, don't eat it. And if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, ha I have to ask, how long did it take you to transition to that type of diet? Once you made the commitment to try to do it. I, I essentially got so disgusted at my eating that I just wrote out a list of foods that I would eat and foods that I wouldn't eat. And I just said, here's your list from t starting tomorrow morning, you're only eating from the foods on the, on the right-hand column. Everything on the left-hand column is out of your diet. It's not even considered like it took some discipline. Yeah. Um, you know, about the, the first month I wanted to chew off the back of my hand every time I like walk by a, a bakery or something like that. 
<laughs> and and now I don't even it doesn't even phase me. Yeah. You know, I don't even I don't it's so out of my realm of consideration because I know if I eat a piece of bread or something like that, how crappy I'm going to feel. So I just I don't even consider it. But it was it was a tough month of just weaning myself of, of sugar and refined foods. Wow. Well, awesome. So we're, we're getting ready to close out here. But so we talked about the book, obviously, Runner's High. And again, I'll just say, go read it. You're a fantastic storyteller. Uh, and we're not going to ruin the end, but it's it's worth the read. But from a theme standpoint, kind of, I would say a closing theme that really came across to us. And you kind of referenced it earlier, but um, it's kind of the, hey, finding joy in, in the running and, and just kind of the enjoyment of the activity itself. What do you want to say to our listeners about just finding joy in running? We talked earlier about maybe how to some, to, you know, some to do it, but what are your parting thoughts kind of in that realm? You know, I think that, again, you need to look inside and see, um, you know, what, what motivates you. And I know some people, like I love running solo, and some people don't like running solo. They like, you know, they're extroverts. I'm very much an introvert. So, you know, look inside yourself and see what motivates you. You know, the other thing to me, and I think this this works for everyone, is have a relationship with nature. I mean, I think most people don't have much of a relationship with nature these days. You know, they get in their car and they go to their office, you know, they take an elevator and then they come back to the car and they get in their house and they go shopping. I love nothing more than just to go, you know, run off in the hills for a couple hours by myself. And I think that having a relationship with nature is, is really important, even in this day and age. So those are a couple of things I would really recommend. So I've got one last question for you. We actually asked this question to just about every one of our guests in our Patreon, but we're going to actually ask you the same question for everyone that's listening instead. What does running mean to you? It's a tough question. It's a, it's a tough question just to I know. come up with a, I think it's free. It, to me, it means freedom. It's actually the most common answer we get. It is. Is that and, right? Oh, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. By far. I mean, I would say 80% of the time, and we've asked, maybe 40 people now that question and 80% of the time freedom's the answer. Well, I mean, think about it. How many times have you like had the weight of the world on your shoulders and you went out for a run and when you came back home, you just, it, <laughs> it somehow just disappeared into the ether and life just kind of got put back in perspective. Yeah. And I think that's what's when, when you think about everybody who's actually probably listening to this episode and they're going to get done with their run, they're like, you know what? I do think that same way about running when I'm out here and I'm able to get this kind of release and stuff. I think they're all like, yeah, it is freedom. So. And it'd be interesting to hear, and I was having this same thought earlier, be interesting to hear the road runners answer to that compared to a lot of what you see in trail and ultra, right? Because intuitively I would think that the trail and ultra freedom really rings true. But to your point, if we're always driven by watch and heart rate and performance and time and all that, I wonder if freedom would bubble to the top the same. We're biased uh, though. So we are those, biased. The road runners who are listening. This is like, not, this is not like, called no, the man, road running guys. Freedom <laughs> well, well I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot more people say to me, God, I, my whole relationship with the sport changed once I stopped monitoring and quantifying everything. Yeah. Yeah. So many people have said that way more people said that to me than, wow, my love of the sport really increased once I got this new Garmin and I started <laughs> measuring everything. <laughs> you don't my, hear that as much. 
Sure. Well, and, and I think just the community around ultra and trail, it really is just a game changer. I think the connections, you know, there's so much joy to be found from that as well. When you go to the Boston, have you guys ever run the Boston marathon? No. I'm slow. I, yeah. I, I qualified, but it was, you know, the 2020 when uh, all of a sudden I needed seven minutes under to get in. I didn't quite <laughs> make that, but. I mean, I always laugh when I go there, you, you know, you see people you haven't seen in in 10 years. And the first thing they say to you is, you know, what, what's your goal time? <laughs> Dude, come on. <laughs> so it's a, it's a different crowd. I think running those marathons versus running the ultras. That is a good example. It, it really that is. is a really good example. <laughs> well, look, man, we know you're a busy guy. We can't tell you how much, you know, we appreciate you taking the time. And for everybody listening, if you're not following Dean, go follow. I'm going to tell you, man, you got a monopoly on kind of the the names and the website, right? So it's at Ultra Marathon, easy as it gets, right? Perfect for the Ultra Marathon Man. And the website is ultramarathonman.com. You got all your books listed there, cool stuff. And if you just want to know more, go Google. There's so much information. You've done a lot of podcasts. Uh, we appreciate all the value that you offer. For everybody listening again, just thank you so much. If you're, again, if you're finding value, leave the review, make a comment, send us a message, all those kind of things that really helps us out. And uh, Dean, man, we just appreciate you so much. You guys have been terrific. I've enjoyed our conversation. I, I wish we could run together. That'd be even better. We, I'm, I'm slow. We will make that happen. So we're out in North Carolina. If you ever come out that way, I'll make sure you got our contact info. If, uh, if we make it out to California, I still got some ties out there. So if I do, I'll, I'll beg you to you know spend some time with me on the trail. You don't have to beg him. We I'll just get it slow. We can go slow as we want. Yeah. <laughs> now you're speaking my love language. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to, we're going to keep you around for just a few more minutes. If you got the time, uh, just do something fun for our Patreon group, but for everybody else. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon and cut, cut, run on. Yeah. See, it wasn't painful. Was it? No, you guys are great. And thank oh, you for thank doing you. what you're doing and, and keep doing what you're doing. And there you are. Look, I should wore my Badwater hat, but I didn't actually run it. <laughs> Just volunteered. <laughs> awesome. uh, so this is for this is like exclusive content for your crew. For your yeah. So let's be really it's very. A, it's a small group. It's but... a small group, but here's the cool thing: it's my favorite thing that we do. So. <laughs> Number four: What is the best superpower? Being yourself. Oh, that's really good answer. Now I was hoping you're going to say fly. We, we played. Are uh, you smarter than a fifth grader? It didn't work out. But <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, and and I think if you played, is it, you smarter than a first grader? It won't work out for me. So we really do appreciate the time, sincerely, and and the sacrifice your family has made to give up you for the last hour with us. We appreciate that as well. So please they're pass it along to your wife. They're happy to get rid of me. So <laughs> <laughs> well, feel free to embellish. Oh, uh, listen, he is going to wax you so much in just a minute. Get up, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly, you were like, God, that was good. Most of the time it's me saying something completely stupid. <laughs> truth. That it is true. true. And that's probably going to do that. I'll do that for you. So <laughs> I'd really appreciate it because I tend to make most of the bloopers. Android or iPhone? Android. Oh, wow. Welcome to the party. I've got, I've got an iPhone as well, but I'm Yay! Kind of like... <laughs> but he, he didn't pick it. <laughs> I don't what know are you why. celebrating about? I don't know why. We know why. I don't know why. I know why.